You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From January the 24th, 2021, at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida, the text is Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And as Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Now, in the old 1990s sitcom Friends, which I watched religiously when I was in seminary, (laughs) there's an episode where Joey somehow gets a hold of a sailboat, but he doesn't know how to sail. And so uh, he's talking with Rachel, and Rachel says, well, I can teach you how to sail, and Joey says, well, that'd be great. Well, so they get out on Joey's sailboat, and Rachel's trying to teach Joey how to sail, and it does not go well at all. As it turns out, sailing is a lot of work, and it requires a whole new language, and Joey's just not happy with Rachel, and Rachel is not happy with Joey, and it ends up with Joey saying, I I thought I could just sit on the boat and eat sandwiches and drink beer. I kind of relate to that. There have been so many times in my life where I wanted something so bad. And once I get it, I find out it's a lot more work than I realized. Like I remember when I was a teenager, really wanting my very first car. You remember that? How cool you thought it'd be when you got your first car. And then you get your first car and you're the one that has to wash that car. And not only that, you're the one that has to put gas in that car. And not only that, but you're the one that has to maintain that car. And you're the one that has to pay insurance on that car. And so you find yourself getting a job just so you can have a car. A little bit later on as a young adult, I thought I really wanted my very own house. Like I wanted to buy a house and stop paying all this rent, right? I wanted to buy a house. And so, you know, saved up a little money and I I bought myself a house. And it turns out... The houses are a breeze. They're no trouble at all. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) It's constant, isn't it? The money that you pour into a house just to take care of it, not even to spruce it up, just to maintain it. So it turns out that in order to take care of my house, then I had to get a husband. (laughs) How do you think that worked out? 
but we're still married, but didn't work out exactly like I planned. You see, we, we get all these things that we think we want, and it turns out it's a lot of work. I remember my friend who was older and pretty wealthy, and I think I've told you this before, I never forget him looking at me and saying, you know, I, I thought that I wanted to own all of these things, and it turns out all these things just own me. And so we find James and his brother John by the Sea of Galilee, and they have a boat and they have a net, and guess what? They're not fishing. What are they doing? They're, they're taking care of their net. It's got a hole in it. They think that they own the net. It turns out this net is apparently owning them because they're having to take care of it. Fishing doesn't work if you've got a hole in your net. And along about that time, Jesus comes around and he's teaching this, this new crazy sort of thing. And here's what he says. Now, I'm going to spend a little time on verse 15 of this passage because they tell me, those that are in the know, that this is the theme verse for the whole book of Mark. You remember that from English class, right? When you're writing essays that you should have a theme sentence in there at the beginning to kind of tell your readers where it's going. And this is the theme verse in Mark, and it goes like this. Jesus is saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And so the entire rest of the gospel of Mark is about that thing, that theme sentence from the gospel of Mark. And so we're going to spend a little time kind of breaking it down here because the lectionary has us in Mark this year. We're going to be in Mark quite a bit. And so let's kind of get a handle on where Mark is going. So let's start with the first phrase. The time is fulfilled, Jesus is going around Galilee saying. Now you and I that speak English as our first language, we, we have really one word that connotes time. But in the ancient Greek language that most of the New Testament was written in, they had two words for time. So the first one is chronos. Like you might know that the word uh, chronology or chronicle comes from the Greek word chronos. And it's a, a measure of time that you can track with your watch or maybe t tick, uh, tick off a calendar that hangs on your wall. We can track this time. It's quantitative. And when you and I use the word time, most of the time that's what we're talking about. It's, it's measurable. Then there's also another word. You've probably heard this before. The word in the ancient Greek is, you know this word? Kairos. Kairos time. And this is not a word that we have in our English language, but um, mystics and philosophers might call it deep time. This is time that you don't measure, but that you experience. And if chronos is quantitative, kairos is qualitative, the fulfillment of time, Jesus says here. And Jesus is going around all of Galilee saying, it's kairos time, it's holy time, it's sacred time, the time is now. And then the next thing he says, and these are the very first words that Jesus speaks in the, in the entire gospel of Mark, right? This is the very first thing he says. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom, number two, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Now, 
in the New Testament, we find Jesus using this language, this kingdom language, 98 times. Do you think it's important? If he uses a phrase like that that much, maybe we should pay attention to it. Well, what does it mean? The kingdom of God has drawn near. This is talking about space. If we're talking about time, we're now we're talking about space. Where is God? God is near. The time is now. The place is here, Jesus is saying. The realm of God, this kingdom language, wouldn't have pleased Caesar, right? Caesar was king, and so this language is, is subversive, and it's also a little bit dangerous, talking about the kingdom of God. And I want to pause here. If we're talking about deep time and deep space, this is deep truth. Not just your surface level stuff that everybody's talking about. Bucks are playing today at 3.05. What? This is deep. <laughs> Look at that. I knew, I knew what time you played. <laughs> I asked Siri on the way to church. <laughs> this is deep stuff. Stuff of eternity. Deep time, deep space. It's countercultural. It's not stuff that we go about talking about when we run into each other at the grocery store. When we see each other walking down the street, we don't talk about this stuff. It's deep and it's countercultural. And just like the disciples, they're tending their net. They had gotten up. They went to work. They were working all day so that they could go home and go to bed and do it all over again. That's the routine that they were in. Kind of like us getting in our routine, the rat race, our routines, the daily grind, which reminds me of a joke. Why did the barista quit his job? He was tired of the daily grind. <laughs> when we get in that daily grind, when we get busy with just the routines and taking care of all the stuff, we, get, we forget to think about the deep things, the important things, the things that really matter. So moving along in the text, Jesus says the time has been fulfilled. The kingdom of God is here. I've lost my place now. There it is. The kingdom of God has been fulfilled. Both of those are nouns, right? He's informing them, giving them nouns. The time, the place, and now he gets to the action. Repent! Now, when you hear that word, you might be like me and have a little PTSD from an evangelical upbringing. Repent! <laughs> Maybe you think of a crazy street preacher out there, right? Repent, or you're going to go to hell. You know, you, right, that's the kind. When we hear that word repent, it's not my favorite word because of what we've done to it. But the word in the Greek is metanoeo, metanoeo, which basically means to change the way you think about things. To change the way you think about things. To have a deep turn in your mind. The way that you perceive things. Maybe you've heard of a, the Silicon Valley entrepreneur. His name is Mark Anderson. And he is considered one of the founders of the modern internet. He, uh, he, he, uh, he developed the first uh, widely used browser. He developed Netscape and later sold it to AOL for, I think, over $4 billion. He's invested in other multi-billion dollar companies. He's He's well-known in Silicon Valley, and he has this phrase. And this is his phrase. It's strong views loosely held. 
strong views loosely held. And somebody asked him why, uh, why he had that as the top thing on his Twitter. And this is what he said. He said, most people go through life and never develop strong views on things or specifically go along and buy into the consensus, he says. One of the things to look for is things that are out of consensus, something very much opposed to the conventional wisdom. And then if you're going to start a company around that, if you're going to invest in that, you better have strong conviction because you're making a very big bet of time or money or both. But what happens when the world changes? That's where loosely held comes in. People everywhere hate changing their minds, but you need to be able to adapt in light of new information, strong views, loosely held. So Jesus comes around in Galilee saying, repent, metanoeo, be ready to change your mind, to change the way that you think about things, to change your perspective, Jesus is saying. All right, so where are we? We started with deep time. Kairos, right? We started, then we looked at deep truth about the kingdom of God. This is a deep turn when we change the way we think about things. And now Jesus is calling us to a deep trust. Repent, he says, and believe in the good news. And when we read that today, we just kind of gloss over it. That language is, is really common in church circles. Oh, believe the good news, believe the good news. And I think we kind of lump good and news in together. Gospel is the word that we use. But I want to focus on the word good for just a moment by focusing on its opposite. Psychologists uh, have coined this term called a negativity bias. Are you familiar with this? The negativity bias suggests that our human brains are wired to be more receptive to negative input than to positive. Like 100 people can compliment you, and then one person says one negative thing, and you really attach your brain to that. A psychologist did a study about this, and he took his subjects, and he, he showed them visual stimuli, and he showed them pictures of um, really positive stimuli, like a Ferrari, and if you car, I know you're a car guy, a Ferrari or a piece of chocolate cake. Anybody a chocolate cake guy? <laughs> and so that's really positive stimuli. And he's, he's measuring the brain waves, right? The electrical input in the brains. And then the same psychologist showed pictures of negative stimuli, like a dead puppy on the road or a mutilated face tracking the brain waves. And then he showed them neutral stimuli, like a plate or a table neutral. And it turns out that when we are shown negative stimuli, the energy, the, the electrical waves, whatever it is they track in there, is far higher than for positive or neutral stimuli. Our brains are wired to attach to the negativity. It's called a negativity bias. And so when Jesus is coming around saying, change the way you think about things, believe in the good news. That's a little turn on it, isn't it? That's a little bit different than how we usually think about Jesus saying, believe the good news, believe the good news, as opposed to what? The bad news that we're wired to think about. 
And so let's put it all together. If I were to uh, paraphrase this theme verse for the Gospel of Mark, I would probably say it this way. The time is now. The place is here. Change the way you think about things and believe and trust in the good news. So maybe somebody will pay me a lot of money to paraphrase the New Testament. That's what I'll do. I'll put that in there just like that. Believe the good news. And so thinking back to those guys there in their boats, Peter and, and Andrew are, are out in the boat and they're fishing and James and John with their father Zebedee, they're in the boat tending the net because their net's broken. How frustrating is that? Taking care of the thing that really owns them. And Jesus says, follow me. This is a deep trust and this is a deep turn. And he says, I will make you fisher of people. And this is changing the target. No longer are you going to fish for fish. You're going to fish for people. I'm going to give you a target that's different. I'm going to change your whole purpose in life. Right now you're trying to make a living. Jesus says to them, I'm going to show you how to make a life. So rise up out of that boat, he says. Rise up out of that boat and leave it behind and follow me. And I wonder how many people said no to that and were lost to history from then on. But we know Peter and we know Andrew and we know James and we know John immediately left all that, the rat race behind, and they followed Jesus. Same thing that we're being asked to do today, to rise up, from the daily grind to rise up from the things that keep us engaged in less than deep things and to follow. Today I close with a, a poem by the ancient poet Rumi. He writes this. Absorbed in this world, you've made it your burden. Rise above this world, there is another vision. All your life, you've paid attention to your experiences, but never to yourself. Are you searching for your soul? Then come out of your prison. Leave the stream and join the river that flows into the ocean. It will not lead you astray. Let the beauty you seek be what you do. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.